This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Okay, we could wait a few minutes for the rest of the room to fill up, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, they're all coming. <laughs> Thank you all for being here, folks that are here. Um, it's, um, my name is Felix Contreras. I'm the co-host and creator of Alt Latino from NPR Music. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer, and I'm the new co-host of Alt Latino. So what we're going to do is uh, we want to tell the story a little bit about the Alt Latino, the story about Latino, but, and also to where we are now, because it, along the way, uh, it tells a little bit about the story of Latinos in podcasting. It tells a story about how, uh, what some of the other uh, panels have been talking about and, and some of the things that we've learned along the way. And uh, we have uh, some series of slides and stuff we're gonna show you. We have a deck uh, and we're gonna make some comments on it, but what'd I say? Oh. <laughs> and, Couldn't um, handle it anymore, had to walk out. <laughs> and along the way, you know, if you have any questions, you're gonna, we're, we're gonna do a Q&A period at the end, okay? Take it away. How I started my podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> I think the most important thing to, to know about Alt Latino is uh, why we started it. And it started, uh, we did our first one in 2010. And uh, Jasmine Garst and I, who is uh, now again with NPR and is going to host her own, uh, another podcast coming up in the fall. Um, but she and I started... We started the podcast because, mainly because we wanted to tell stories about black and brown people and immigrants in their own words, okay? We didn't want to have it interpreted by other people outside of those communities. Uh, and so we thought that the best way to do that was to turn the mic back on those communities and help have them tell their stories. And we focused specifically on music because music is a way, is one of the things that unites the various Latino communities. And I'm very adamant about uh, that idea of uh, the plurality of Latino communities because we are all one, but we're, we're different kinds, right? So what we wanted to do was, uh, Again, give the mic to the folks who are living in the communities and telling stories through music about what it was like, what life was like in those communities, one of the things that were, were going on in those communities. We were both working at NPR. I was on, I had been 10 years uh, on the arts desk in the news department uh, covering arts and culture, specifically Latino arts and culture. And Jasmine was a production assistant on the um, Michelle Martin show, Tell Me More. And we came up with the idea of doing a podcast about Latin alternative music because we both loved, we both loved the band, the Fabul Los Fabulosos Cadillacs from Argentina, right? We decided, we were having a conversation and we're like, well, I like the band, I like the band. We like Latin music or rock and espanol back then in general. Um, and wouldn't it be nice if we had a show about rock and espanol? And yes, it would, but would public radio run it? Right, public radio airspace, uh, again, this is 2010. Public radio airspace is very, very competitive. So what we did was, that's the, that's the why. The what is what we did was we developed 
a mobile product because as a reporter on the arts desk, I had just done a story about how Latinos back then, in 20, like 20, 2009, were over-indexing on the use of mobile products on phones, et cetera, and not necessarily tied to desktop and laptops, et cetera. So I said, let's make a show and let's send it to where they are, right? And, and go to that audience rather than have the audience come to us. So that was the idea of why we developed a podcast very, very early on. It was the second NPR podcast. Now there are over 30, but it was the second NPR podcast. And um, we just started experimenting and trying to figure out how to reach the audience, the Latino audience, English dominant, bilingual, um, here in the United States, and eventually we found out we were reaching people all over Latin America. But that was, those are the two important parts of, of the why and the how. And specifically the Latin alternative music is the what is, it was, it, it was music is still not covered by the mainstream Latino media, right? Radio, Spanish language radio, et cetera. It's still pretty much, you know, outside of that realm. We've expanded the coverage of all Latino, which we'll get to later. But we were specifically looking at Latin alternative because that was a reflection of the new realities in Latin America and the United States. People were listening to things differently. People were playing things differently. People were singing about their experiences differently through Latin alternative music, and we thought that that was the the perfect vehicle to try to make that happen uh, and to tell those stories. Turn the mic on, let them tell their stories. Interview these people who had never been interviewed in, in a major way like this. Uh, expanding, extending the NPR brand to folks who were not part of the NPR or part of public, uh, public radio in general. Uh, the audiences, the artists, et cetera. So we, you know, we had a lot of work to do and we just, we, you know, we, we kept at it, we kept trying things, we kept trying different things, which we'll get to in a second, but that's, in the first slide, that's a long way of saying that's how we started it. <laughs> and I think it's important to note there, Felix, too, that the challenge that you were facing then was very much shaped, I think, by the landscape at the time, which, like you mentioned, this is in 2010, like podcasting really at that stage was not, I mean, obviously you see this conference, it was not even close to what this was, you know, what we see today. And I think you're talking about, we want to tell these stories and elevate these artists who are doing this music. And like you said, black and brown and immigrant communities in, in, in our own words and in our own voices. And yet that wasn't necessarily reflective of what the podcasting landscape looked like at the time, right? It was completely different. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's an interesting element of that story as well as where you, what the, the landscape, the industry you started in looked a lot different from what it looks like today. Um, and so I think as that, as that industry has evolved and as the landscape has changed and as the opportunities for reaching different audiences changed, I guess a new challenge emerged. Is that that's right, Felix? Yeah, trying to find out where they were, trying to reach them, as I said, mobile products, but beyond mobile products, you know, this is, again, 2010, social media, think about all the stuff that has changed since 2010, right, in terms of social media, in terms of all these other platforms, in terms of visuals, which were pretty much non-existent then. Our challenge was trying to figure out, well, we made it a mobile product, we're starting to develop a, a, a list, we're starting to develop an audience, 
right? The small audience. Because the audience, Latino audience, is, is so diverse, so big, uh, and, and they weren't part of the podcasting landscape initially, you know, because there was nothing out there for them. Um, we exist, we live a, a bicultural existence here in the United States, so, you know, we, I like to say I listen to Los Lobos and the Rolling Stones. So I was listening to some of the, uh, the, the, the podcasts out there, but I wasn't hearing anything that spoke to us, which is part of the reason why we started it. So the, the idea of, you know, reaching where they are is, has been a task. And part of, when you look outside, um, you know, part of that task was having it with, having the institution within the infrastructure within NPR to help us do that. And it didn't always exist, to be honest. It didn't always exist. And it was uh, very much like trying to figure out where, how to make this happen and where to find them. So then that challenge has evolved today, right? Like we're looking at a very different landscape. What, what does that look like a little bit? We tried different things along the way. Um, what Jasmine and I did was we tried to, first of all, we tried to have fun, right? And we tried to break, the, we did not want it to sound like NPR. No shade to my NPR colleagues, okay? The people are on the air, on the radio already, all right? But we wanted it to sound different. And Jasmine and I, uh, we had a nice, friendship and relationship, you know, professional relationship going. We just sort of found our, our voice in a way that reflected the nature of the show. Um, and that was part of the process of trying to make that, make that, ha that change happen. And then along the way, you know, we've had a steady, uh, it's, it's not the biggest audience, but we've had a steady and committed audience that have been listening to the podcast over the years. And it's dedicated and it's, it's, bi it's multicultural, it's multi-generational. And I think it's based on what we decided to talk about because we had editorial control, 100% editorial control. But we thought was important uh, and what we thought that people were talking about. And so I think fast forwarding a little bit to, to kind of like where we are now and, and how we change, the, the challenge that we were facing, the challenge that Felix was trying to meet definitely changed a lot. I think now we're, we're trying to still meet the listener where they're at. We're trying to tell stories about artists and music through music that resonate, right? Like we say up here, but it's a completely different world that we're living in, where now we're looking at a space where Latinos are all over audio. They're all over these platforms. They're listening all the time. They're consuming all the time, both just music and also the storytelling that's done around music. And so our new challenge today that we have been wrestling with recently and will continue to be wrestling with for probably a long time is now what does it mean to create content that is not necessarily about bringing people to a new medium of consuming content, but rather finding the people that are consuming the content in audio, that are interested in audio, the Latinos who care about audio storytelling and giving them something that resonates with them. And so I think like what we've been trying to do now is create content that matters for a community that we could build in the audio space. So we went back to the drawing board. 
I came on board um, and we started thinking about what would it mean to take Alt Latino that's existed for 12 years um, and make a show that now met this community where it was at. So we like spent months and months and months and months thinking about, okay, who is the audience we're trying to get after? What is the community that we're looking to build around the show? Who's caring about the type of content that we're making? Because we know that there is such a massive group of people out there who like resonate with music storytelling that's specifically based in the Latino experience in this country, in, in Latin America at large. And so we were like, okay, we know this massive audience exists. What does it mean to actually serve them? Um, so that's how we came up with our new show. Um, we're reimagining the show. That's, I guess this is the mic drop moment. We're reimagining Alt Latino. We're coming back. We're doing a whole new thing. Um, and this was the new mission statement that we came up with that we thought would um, meet those audiences in a more meaningful way. I've lost my place. I don't know what slide number we're on. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I've got to just... <laughs> You know, the, the thing, I think that what, one of the things we wanted to do today when in talking about this is like share, you know, we share our mission statement, but, you know, I never considered even, even now as we consider our mission statement and what we're doing, I never consider all the other Latino podcasts that are out there as competition, right? It's all part of, we, like, if we can help each other try to figure out because it's a vast audience, right? And, and we can't dominate one show cannot, it will not dominate an audience, right? So it's all about helping each other, trying to understand the audience, trying to understand the technology, trying to understand the industry, right? So that we can all benefit because ultimately it's all about the listener and the communities. So that when we develop a mission statement, we, at least I thought about how, I thought about all the things that we had gone through in the last, you know, 10, 12 years, right? And, and some of the lessons that were learned. And I think that moving forward, because the landscape is completely new, there's so many different things out there now. Uh, I think that that's something that developing a mission statement that will help us, that will help NPR in the public radio sphere, that will help NPR in the podcasting sphere, and then in the larger media field as well. Like it will help NPR, it will help uh, the Latino audiences develop and, and, and grow and be part of the podcasting industry in general. And I think when we look at the mission statement, it's a mission statement for Alt Latino and the team, all the folks here that are, that are helping us in various ways, it's a mission statement for that, but it's also a mission statement for Latino podcasting in general, about how to reach those audiences and how we can all help each other. And I think it's worth noting here too, like the importance that, that music plays in all of this. And I, I love that you mentioned earlier, Felix, kind of like thinking about music as, as this valuable tool, as this meaningful thing for, for the community. And I mean, it's without a doubt that like Latin music is having its like absolute moment in the sun, right? It's like, I say this to Felix all the time, He's so used to kind of like asterisks, like global superstar who's a Latin artist. And now I'm like, there's no such thing. Like Bad Bunny is a global superstar, period. 
not be not for Latin artists, not for Latin America, not for Latinos. Like he is just like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, star there is right now. And I think like with that in mind, it's important to remember that for Latinos, this music is so much more significant in that there's a story there. There's a story about who we are, about the communities that we come from, about the families that we come from. And there's so much that we can unpack and use there as a tool for better understanding ourselves and better understanding who we are and where we come from. And so I think like that was a thing that we really wanted to consider, right? Is like, how do we highlight that piece of the show. Like not just obviously Felix is like the most massive he has very big ears. He listens to everything. He's music geek. I'm he, a geek. I'm a geek. <laughs> you should see his record collection. Um, but it's not just about like loving music for the sake of music, which is wonderful, but it's also about like bringing it to an audience who maybe they're as obsessed with music as Felix is, maybe they're not, but bringing it to an audience who will value using music as this tool to better understand themselves. And right now I think it's important to point out that we started as a, a show about Latin alternative music. And then as I said, those are artists who were not part of the pop mainstream of what was pop in 2010. If you think about what Latin music sounded like then and now, at least pop music, is completely different. It's the rise of reggaeton that made all the difference in the world. And so when we were doing the show, we were very, very adamant. It's like, we don't need to do any pop music because they get enough coverage. They have all the mainstream press, they have everything, the Latin music industry, media industry, music industry, to support all of that. And we wanted to, the, we wanted to feature the independent voices La Santa Cecilia, Carla Morrison, all the different places, all the different artists who were making independent music. And then came Despacito, okay? <laughs> and I had to pay attention to, I could not avoid it. It's not like I had to pay attention to pop music. You couldn't avoid it. We did a whole show, like that song dropped like in December, really took off by the spring. It was the summer of Despacito. So at the end of that summer, I did a show about what Despacito meant musically, socially, economically, what it meant to the music business, because it really was a game changer. It wasn't a crossover hit where Latinos went over to the mainstream. The mainstream came over to Latinos for the first time, and I think we all know that, right? But it, that's not how it wasn't portrayed in a lot of the media, and that's one of the things that I really wanted to stress on the show. It's like to show how, not only how the music industry has changed, but that change reflected Latino communities, right? It, it, it reflected just the impact that we were having culturally on the, on the mainstream culture. It reflected our lives, not just in Puerto Rico where the music was developed, but all over. If you have you know, Mexicanos in East LA listening to reggaeton, that is a big deal. That's a huge deal. And I think the people outside our communities don't understand that. So that was the point of our coverage of that show. I talked about it on the show, on the podcast, the Latino podcast, Morning Edition. I did a thing with All Songs Considered. It was important for me to people, for people to understand that. That was a major shift in how we cover music, we covered music on all, how I covered music on all Latino, because by then I'm doing it by myself, because Jasmine had moved on in her career. And I just had to start paying attention to pop music and had tried to have someone younger, I'll admit it, have somebody young to have to figure out what was listening, because that, that, that wasn't part of my, 
you know, listening habits. So then I think that that, again, it reflects what the changes that were happening in the Latino communities because the music had changed. And so then the, the show started to change a little bit. We started to cover more stuff. And then uh, by the time, you know, Ana came on as an intern, um, she was like, you gotta listen to this, you gotta listen to this. We're like, I, I've always tried to, through Croc fellowships, internships, production assistance within NPR, you know, Jessica Diaz-Hortado, uh, Stephanie Fernandez, there's all of these, these young women were helping me keep my finger on the pulse, right? Because it's, I, it's important that we can't keep, I, it was important that I didn't keep uh, preaching to people my age, right? It's like we have to expand the audience. So that's why we started doing more stuff and then recognizing this young kid, we did an interview with uh, Bad Bunny four years ago when he dropped an album on Christmas Eve his, you know, oh we did a thing in Spanish. Jasmine came back and we did a thing with Bad Bunny. It's like you have to chart these guys. You have to follow them because they're, they're making, not only are making great music in this case, but it's reflecting, again, it's reflecting the community. And, and we need the show to be vital like that to be able to reflect that. Yeah. And I think, too, like understanding that there, there is so much in many of these artists that is reflective of the community, like that was what it meant to think about how we could change the podcast to be so audience centric, right? To be a show that is really in service to, okay, all of these, these people, like I said, these stars exist um, and are in the popular vernacular and are, are part of the conversations that we have every single day, but what does it mean to think about them and talk to them from the perspective of, we have you sitting here, how are you reflecting the community and how are you telling your personal stories? And so I think what we were interested in really highlighting with this new version of the show was, talking about things that we knew mattered to the audience we were after, that we knew was resonant with these people that I keep talking about this like obscure, like the audience that exists out there. But really like this audience that we had found, which was like these young Latinos who exist, who are consuming audio, who are really excited to learn about themselves through music and through these artists that maybe everyone's talking about them, but not everyone's talking about them in a way that dissects how they're, they're reflecting us and how they're reflecting our experiences. And, I think that, and it's to, also to take in mind the specific, we wanted to take in mind the specific characteristics of the Latino communities. And I'll give you an example uh, in a way, of a way that our communities are different than other communities. All right. Uh, I was at, I was uh, one night after work, I was on the, on the metro. I was going home. I was on the phone with my mom, talking to her before the train came. I said, okay, mom, I'm going to go. And then, the and then the guy came up to me, an older guy, my age, older guy, my age, came up to me and said, you're Felix from Alt Latino. I said, yeah. He says, oh, I recognize your voice. I said, oh, thanks. Yeah, he said, I'm a, an attorney with the Department of Housing right here down the street. Um, I'm a fan of the show. I said, how'd you find out about it? He said, my daughter told me. She's an attorney with the DOJ, right? She loved the show, and she said, Dad, you gotta hear this because they're playing stuff that you know. They're talking about Celia Cruz, but they're also talking about, you know, whatever was happening at the time. And that's, that's one of the things we continue, we wanna continue to try to capitalize on because we're all about familia, right? This is what we do. We, we gather, we spend a lot of time with our families, and we still have that interaction. So if there's something that we can 
you know, communicate or share, you know, that is, to me, that's, that's a, a win. I'm so sorry. And <laughs> my son. Who is it? Sorry, my son. son? Yeah. Which one? The younger one going to college tomorrow. <laughs> sorry about that. And I think that too, like, we all know, like, how meaningful music is to, to com our community, to familia. Like, we all know that, like, the music is an exchange between generations. It's like, there are songs that just, it comes on and everyone's crying, right? Like, no matter how old, no matter what your experience, like, someone has an experience with it. It's just that meaningful for the community. And so I think, like, it was like, how do we take that feeling and that thing that we know exists that we can't name, like, and we know it's a Latino thing, but we don't exactly know what it is, and how do we put that in a show about music? And that was kind of what we were after. So this is what we came up with. We were like, we need to have, this is our audience that I keep kind of like dancing around, what is our audience? We're aiming to speak primarily to a Latinx community that cares about music, right? They're aiming to speak. They're, they're looking for an outlet for music appreciation, discovery. That's something that matters to them. But they're also curious about exploring the culture through music, right? They want to learn more about who they are, about their families, about themselves, without judgment about where they are, or where they come from, or what their experience with their own Latino-ness is, right? And I always, like, in our process of kind of reimagining the show, I always bring up Myself, obviously, Felix started the show many years before I started listening to it. Um, and I think you were in junior high school. I, I probably was. And me finding the show and listening to this show and feeling like, oh my god, like I always specifically reference the Cumbia episode, which I think is a very popular one, that listening to the Cumbia episode and being like, oh my god, like, I didn't know half of this about cumbia. It's one of those things you grow up listening to, like your family listens to, you hear it around, but you don't know, oh, it's so much bigger than this, and here's the history behind it, and here's you know, the cultural implications, and here's all the different people across this whole massive diaspora that are also listening to and having experiences with this music, and that just like expands your world in such a unique way, it expands your identity and who you think you are, right? When like, you're like, oh, I'm like a Chicano from Southern California and that's who I am. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I'm like listening to this music and care about this music that someone in Brazil also has a childhood experience with. And that, like having that moment is so meaningful and so important. And like, that was something that we were like, we have this really unique opportunity to, mm -hmm. to create this for people. And so that was kind of something that we were really focused on, like, who are the people that are looking for this moment? Like, they're trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in and who their families are and who their community is. And we're like, we can build a community for them in an audio space based around music. Yes, I agree. <laughs> So we were like, let's relaunch the show. We figured out who our audience is, what our mission statement is, what our listener promise is. So this is like all the fun, floofy stuff. Um, so we have a new look, new brand. I'm joining Felix on the mic officially. Um, we also like, we're really intentional. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
um, doesn't feel real. It's just still me and Felix sitting around having arguments. It's just getting published for other people to listen to. <laughs> um, and then we also were really thinking about like, okay, Felix has been intentional about who he's bringing on, a lot of alternative artists. We still want to have that heart, that energy, but we also want to like bring on artists who are who are meaningful for, for this community that we're talking about. And so um, this is kind of like under embargo. Our first few artists that we have, so we're bringing on um, Omar Apollo, we're bringing on Carla Morrison, Rosalia, the Tiny Desk Contest winner, her name's Elisa Amador. Um, Doris Anayi, um, a variety of different kind of names, like who represent, I think, a variety of different parts of the community in unique ways, but like we're all artists that we felt had a story that was meaningful and resonant for, for our community. I think very quickly, I think that, you know, for example, the Omar Apollo story, um, if you're not familiar with him, he's a young uh, R&B artist uh, for, who originally from Indiana. Right, so he's a Mexican American from Indiana. I'm a Mexican American or Chicano from California. Our experiences are completely different by where we were born, our geography, all that stuff, and when we were born. And that's just the development, the progress, the, the, you know, the dynamic progress within uh, communities in general. So that's and it's exciting for me, right? It's like it's I'm used to hearing what I'm hearing, but listening to his stuff is like, well, okay, I can. I can hear a little bit of myself in it, you know, so it's exciting. So essentially, I'm like, this is the fun stuff. Um, we decided that we were going to roll out the podcast as part of like a larger Latinx Heritage Month celebration that we're kind of, we're pushing at NPR. And so um, we're really excited. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff. So we're launching the podcast. And we also recognize that as much as we speak about this like capital A audience that we've identified, a, a big part of meeting this audience is meeting them in all the places that we're at, or that they're at. And so I think what we've seen, because Felix and I work so closely on, you know, the Latin artists for Tiny Desk as well, is that like we have such a massive Latino audience, like on with Tiny Desk, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to share this, but like over 50% of the Tiny Desk audience is people of color. Um, and so knowing that that's something we've been able, we've been able to successfully speak to this audience again and again through the artists that we're booking with the Tiny Desk, we were like, okay, well then it makes sense. Let's just celebrate on all the platforms and all the ways and give them something in every space. And so we really see this as doing short form video, doing Tiny Desk, doing the podcast all in conjunction with each other as really a way to like, A, kind of just build out the storytelling across platform, which is really exciting. Um, we get to kind of like have an artist perform a Tiny Desk and then have a conversation with them. And that's really cool. Um, but also knowing that you know, we're, we're trying to serve the audience in multiple ways and give them different types of content to engage with around this music. I'm doing TikTok videos. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I didn't even know what TikTok was before. Right. Now he's now you're kind of a TikTok. <laughs> you're you're around there all Our the time. Our TikTok producer is right here in the front row. <laughs> it's again, it's a being able to. You know, as we talk to other podcasters here, or Latino content makers, you know, it's about being able to um, find the audiences where they are and the way they're absorbing um, 
uh, content now. And, and I got to say that, you know, we, and, and I have been, uh, especially recently, uh, especially recently, blessed. We're blessed that we have a building. Like when you walk outside and all the booths that are, I, I walked around this morning and I looked at all these booths and I thought, we have people internally who are doing all of that, right? That's what NPR does. And they're the best in the business. And some of them are in the room right here. It's like Felix and Honor are here, but behind us and next to us, right, are all of the folks helping us develop all this stuff. So for, for producers, you know, my advice is like find folks that you trust, find folks that you, you know, that what you think get you, that do all the things that are out there. Because we're fortunate, it's all in-house. And we just raise our hand and then everybody comes tries to help us. And it's a blessing. You guys, all of you guys, you're a blessing. But you know, as you, as you work out on your own, try to find those, those people that are doing all this stuff that'll help you and that support you. Because then everybody wins. Their company wins, your company wins, the audience wins. I, that was sort of a sidebar. I sort of went sidebar and that was in my notes, I'm sorry. <laughs> wasn't it? The other, the, but I, one of the things I do want to mention, though, is the idea of the tiny desk, right? Because that's one of the most popular things that are out there right now. And it's, it's again, it's a matter of being able to curate this, these things, like which artists are people going to resonate with people. Over the span of the entire thing, we've done, you know, I've done, until Anna came around, I was the one doing all the Latin music stuff. So folkloric musicians, Metzayda Machado, you know, Soriano, Juan Soriano from, you know, all of these different artists, right? Café Tacuba, um, Santa Cecilia, like I mentioned, all these different bands, right? The idea is to try to represent, again, try to have a variety of different sounds that we absorb and that we consume, have a variety of different sounds and bands and cultures within the Tiny Desk property. And now, because of all of this, all the work that everybody does, like you said, over 50% people of color, Latino presence has shot up in the last year. Our takeover for Hispanic Heritage Month or Latinx Heritage Month is, is uh, I thought you were giving a baseball signal that we had to wrap up, bro, sorry about that, um, is, is like that's our main focus, right? That's what we're doing to try to, to, try to make it happen. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to do questions, or do we have more? No, that's pretty much it. Um, so <laughs> thank you all for listening. Um, we will be launching the new podcast September 14th, so make sure to look out for it. And then our first tiny desk for the month comes out on September 15th. So safe to say, Felix and I have not been sleeping that much in the past few months, but we're almost there, so. Anna, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Anna thought we weren't going to have enough for 45 minutes. I know. I was like, there's no way we can fill 45 <laughs> minutes. With the five minutes that we have left. Um, questions? If comments? If people have questions, anything? we will happily take them now. You guys want to start a fight? Do something? Yeah. Uh, tell us about your audience. Tell us about your audience. Yeah, you mentioned Yes, tell us about your audience. Um, I'm curious about your just average monthly listeners and if you've seen any changes as you've evolved the show, but also you mentioned seeing um, listeners from globally. And so right. I'm curious to hear what you've seen there. Okay, so, so 
I'm horrible with numbers, and I've never paid attention to numbers, honestly. Even when I worked in commercial television, I never paid attention to the ratings, because I'm always busy doing other stuff. So, I, you know, there are some numbers that are publicly available, but what I will say, though, is that it's a dedicated audience, and it's multicultural. I'm trying to learn how to not look shocked when I'm in somewhere, and, like, a regular white dude says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of your show, right? You know, because... I, I have to remember that, that, you know, the NPR listener is curious, curious AF, as the kids say these days, right? So that they're, they are listening to our show and have been listening to our show because they're discovering new music or they like the personalities, whatever. So the audience is, is multicultural. I think it's the most diverse property that NPR has. It's, it's you know, white, black, white people, black people, brown people, all kinds of people. So I just, I don't have a specific audience member in mind when we tape the show. I just, I try not to because I don't know who's going to listen and I don't know, you know, the more the merrier. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, and I think it is worth noting, yeah, honestly, the number that I do have saved in my brain internally, because I think the number that we really, like, care about is that... <laughs> 77% I think of our audience is, is people of color, which is like by far and away significantly larger than any other NPR property that, that we have. And so I think that that is something that like, we're like, okay, this is a thing that we want to hold on to and just continue to build this out. Yeah, people are curious, man. You know, they want to know about the music. They want to know about, they want to know what they're listening to when they walk into a bodega and they hear Bad Bunny, right? Or whatever, wherever you are. People want to know, and I think that it's, it's helpful that to give them something to, to learn about the communities that they're in, or they live amongst. Yes, ma'am. So uh, my day job, I run the podcast team at New Hampshire Public Radio, and I'm curious about whether or not NPR is thinking about narrative, uh, Spanish language narrative. I sort of have this dream of uh, doing getting, you know, hiring a team to produce a Spanish language version of Bear Brook, which is a podcast we put out a few years ago. I don't know if there's a, a narrative audience. I mean, I, I don't know if NPR is thinking about narrative audio for a Spanish language audience. Is that something that they've been talking about, that you've been thinking about? We, the, the short answer is, I think yes. Okay, I think that, you know, it's, we developed the, uh, a, a, a group within the, within the company people from all different uh, departments, called, we called it the Oya Group, to try to specifically t toward that end. And there's a woman named Lauren Gonzalez who is here this week. Uh, she's in charge of de developing. We just announced the four projects with the LAist, uh, four pilots, right? So four, the four pilots. <laughs> So there are ways now that NPR is reaching out to programmers, content developers. You should, I'll give you a card before you go so that you can, you know, if you know Lauren, reach out, you know, because she's, she, we're, we're very, very excited to have her and, and develop stuff like that. Yes, so. Aaron, register. I'm sorry. Yes, not... Oh, I guess it is narrative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, we're just, we've got something coming. Oh, we got to wrap up. Oh, we got to wrap it up. Do we have one more question? Or no, we're done. Oh, we're out. We're out. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. See, a small but dedicated crowd. Okay. <laughs>